I once had a, a patient tell me a story about a retaining wall that he built in his younger years. Uh, during the week I uh, work as a podiatrist and get to hear lots of different stories as I meet uh, different people um, and continue to get to know them over many years sometimes. This man described himself as a young and eager man as he set out to build a stretch of wall at one side of his property. On he worked as the day grew hotter, brick and mortar, brick and mortar, until he had before him a wall, maybe half a metre high, ten metres long, and he was impressed. So he, he went inside and he, he, called, he found his wife and called her out to have a look at this wall as he refreshed his thirst. As she surveyed this wall he was leaning on, all of a sudden it started to collapse until the whole stretch of wall just toppled over. Better keep on working, she said. You see, he failed to lay a foundation. The bricks were just on the ground and all his hard labour was in vain. What about you? What are you building? Maybe not an actual wall, but your forever home. Or is it your bank balance, your investment portfolio? Are you building your career, striving for the next promotion or job, looking for another opportunity to further your skills? Perhaps you're building a name for yourself, curating an image on Facebook or Insta so that everyone will think that you've just got it together, that you're great? Or are you building the ideal family? Cute kids that you live through, trying to fulfil all those childhood dreams? Or maybe you've given up altogether on trying to build anything, since everything just seems to keep falling over in the end. This morning we're continuing our summer series in the Psalms as we delve into one of the Songs of Ascents, which was sung by Israelite pilgrims travelling up to Jerusalem. They were on their way to worship the Lord at his temple and would sing this group of Psalms known as the Songs of Ascent. The human author here is ascribed to King Solomon, who was the son of David. And as we'll see, there's several connections to this psalm, in this psalm, to Solomon's life and work. Should I just use the other mic? Is that less scratchy for people? That might work. Hello. All right. I'm here again. So the big idea of this psalm is that God is the master builder who invites us to join him as he builds a lasting house and heritage. We'll dig into what that means in the next few moments. And to do this, I want to draw two pictures that we see weaved throughout these verses. Firstly, building in vain. Then second, we'll contrast to building to last. Our first image this morning is building in vain. 
Have you ever built something, like my friend earlier, that was a waste of time? Felt like your work was just useless? Completed your part of a project that was scrapped at the next stage? Cleaned the kitchen, only to see it made dirty again before the floor was even dry? Invested countless hours into a relationship only to see them turn against you. Well, the writer of this psalm, Solomon, knew a thing or two about vanity. After all, he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, which talks a lot about meaninglessness. What do we see in this first verse about what it means to be building in vain? Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labour in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Who are those who labour and stay awake in vain? It's those who are working apart from the Lord. Now, if God is God, then isn't he still at work even if we don't seek his blessing? Won't he do what he wants, whether or not we are involved? Yes, he certainly can achieve whatever he desires, with or without us. But is that how God tends to work? Let's look at how God builds this house. And Firstly, what house is Solomon talking about the Lord building here? In the context of this psalm, and the fact that it's a song of ascents, the obvious reference to the house here is the temple in Jerusalem. It's often referred to as the house of the Lord. The temple was the place where God chose to reveal his holy presence, where sacrifice and worship was to be given. This temple was built by Solomon, although his father had it in his heart to build it for God. God wouldn't allow that, though, instead saying that he would build David a house, an everlasting kingdom. And many have tried to rebuild this temple that Solomon built, but none have ever come close to its glory because God allowed it to be destroyed. Likewise with this next picture, Unless the Lord protects his people, the holy city of Jerusalem, the sentries watching for enemy invasion don't stand a chance. We see this in Israel's history, don't we, all through the Bible. When pride and neglect of the Lord leads them to trust themselves instead of their maker. When worshipping false gods becomes the state religion rather than worship of the true God. Israel are given up to their enemies time and again and they suffer shameful defeat and capture. Compare this to the Lord defeating Israel's enemies on his own as they came out of Egypt. Or when Gideon's band of 300 defeated the entire army of Midian. Or when Jericho 
was destroyed with trumpet sounds alone. Unless the Lord builds, unless the Lord watches over, we are building in vain. Our efforts are useless. Rising early to work, going to bed late to get more done, burning the candle at both ends is a waste of time without God. The second half of verse 2 paints an interesting picture. Eating the bread of anxious toil. This gives us a bit more insight of what building in vain looks like. Does that sound refreshing to you? Anxious toil. Striving away, worrying all day long about every little thing. Fretting if what I'm doing is enough to get me through. Taking the burden onto my own shoulders. Lying awake at night, ruminating over all my mistakes. Anxiously preparing to tackle tomorrow's troubles on my own. Let's contrast this to the gift that the Lord gives to those who belong to him. For he gives his beloved sleep. Is this just saying that if you trust in the Lord, you'll never have a sleepless night? No, of course not. This relates to, there's lots of passages, but Psalm 4 verse 8. In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Sleep is certainly a blessing, but also a reminder of our limits, of our frailty. How long can you go without sleep? How long can you go on functioning? A couple of days? Maybe a week? I read somewhere that the longest is 11 days, someone's gone, but don't try that at home, kids. Uh, We're not meant to be machines, are we, working 24-7? God's designed into our bodies that we need sleep every day. If sleep isn't going well, then life is just so much harder, isn't it? Just ask any mum or dad with a new baby, and there might be some here this morning. We were designed to have regular patterns of work and rest, in part so that we could recognise our dependence on God. He neither slumbers nor sleeps keeping watch over us every moment. This should remind us of our inability to be in control. If you've learned anything from the last two years, I hope you've learned this. Although we forget, don't we? We can no more control our own destiny than we can save ourselves from sin. Although many try to prove to God, to work their way, if, we just, just, if they just follow enough rules, he'll credit these works towards salvation, like the religious leaders of Jesus' day, or even many devoted churchgoers of our time. I used to think that God would be pleased with me. He would accept me. I would be saved if I did enough 
good things if I followed the rules. But Christianity was mainly about just being a good person. Then you'd have eternal life. But what did we see in Ephesians 2 about our natural default position as humans? We were dead in sin and trespasses. To be saved comes not as a transaction or something that we earn, but as a gift, grace. Not a result of any of our works. If we think the future is within our grasp to control, then whatever good thing, whatever it may be that we're building, is being built in vain. We need to remember that today, tomorrow and forever are in the Lord's hands and not in our own. Let's continue to the second image that I want to point out to us this morning. Building to last. If you ever made something, you hope it will last, don't you? My dad always says, if a job's worth doing, it's worth doing right. And do it properly, do it once. Uh, The downside with this is that any repair or home improvement jobs around the house don't always happen quickly. But how much more satisfaction is there when what you've built has lasted the test of time? rather than just redoing something over and over. But what does verses 3 to 5 have to do with building, you might be asking? Doesn't this seem a bit off topic to just start talking about children all of a sudden in this psalm? Verses 1 to 2 are pretty obvious, self-explanatory, they make sense, but what does this second half of the psalm mean? Well, on first glance, there might not be all that much of a connection. But I want us to see that these verses are really a continuation of the big idea of this psalm. Just like the Lord is master builder over non-living things like his temple and his city, Jerusalem, he's also the master builder over human life. He's the one who builds a lasting heritage or family for himself. The idea of house from verse 1 connects with this idea of heritage in verse 3. What is a heritage? What's something that lasts after you're around? In this context, the heritage is referring to a family line, the family name that's kept on going down, down through the generations, through the blessing of children. Children are like, they're described here, like arrows for a warrior, protection against future attacks. The warrior is blessed by his offspring and has a security in the presence of his grown children. As he faced the unjust enemies in the gate, which was where justice was brought about in that time. How does this relate to us today? In general, 
This is teaching us that children are a blessing. Full stop. Not just children who are obedient and always sweet. Not just children who trust in Christ. Not just children who make their parents' lives easier. Not just healthy children. But all children. Children are a gift, a blessing, a treasure from the Lord. I remember a conversation with Russ, our pastor, who's he's on leave at the moment, uh, some years ago before I had children. He was bleary-eyed from lack of sleep and sharing that it had been a difficult few months after one of the births of their children. But something stuck with me that he said, but children are a blessing. It sounded odd to me that in the midst of this lack of sleep that his kids were causing, he focused on the fact that they are a blessing. In the culture today, there's, there's so much focus on the negatives, isn't there? Complaining about life is hard with young or even grown-up kids. Thinking that they're getting in the way of your personal dreams. And of course, every stage of life has its unique challenges. But we're told here, right in this psalm, that children are a lasting gift, a heritage from the Lord. Just think, if no more children were ever born, how long would humanity as we know it last? A hundred years, maybe? The future of humanity relies on the gift of children before Christ returns and there is no more death and sin. But what does this mean for those of us who don't have children, who may never have their own children for medical reasons, life situation or relationship status? Are children only a blessing if they're your own? No. I think we're blessed by children around us, whether or not they're related to you. The energy, enthusiasm, curiosity and laughter that kids tend to bring is infectious. Seeing young children absorbing the gospel message And hearing their simple trust in Christ encourages even the oldest, most faithful of Christian saints. You might not think so, but you, every one of you, are an essential part in helping raise and disciple children in this family of God. Whatever you think of yourself, you are a treasured family member. Every conversation with a toddler that you have. Every kids' church lesson, you wonder whether anything's sinking in. Every time you just hold a baby for someone, with their permission, of course. It is an opportunity to be blessed by the children of Reforming Church. And to be a blessing to them, yourself. 
Let's continue in this psalm. In Israel, how did the lineage of God's people continue? It was through the generations of this nation. If we go right back to the beginning, Genesis, God promised to provide an offspring who would crush the serpent's head. And so ever since, God's people knew that through the blessing of family and children, he would bring about his plans to restore things back to before sin wrought its destruction. God promised to build a house, a lineage that would last, not just a generation or a few hundred years, but to last forever. Jesus Christ was the one who was born a child who would seal the everlasting heritage. God in the flesh came to establish his house, not with bricks and mortar, but with blood and tears. Where God once dwelled in the temple, Jesus dwelled among us as one of us. As the Lord watched over his city at night, his beloved son was put to an unjust trial at the place where justice should have been done. Without sons and daughters, brothers or sisters of his own to defend him. His enemies put him to shame as he was nailed up on a cross to die a criminal's death. But that wasn't all of the master builder's plan. Jesus defeated death and was raised up to new life, to an everlasting heritage. Having paid the price for our sin on the cross, for all who are saved, through faith, given as a gift of God's grace. As we confess our guilt to him and receive the forgiveness he offers, then we're no longer strangers, but part of God's household, as we read in Ephesians 2. Unless the Lord built the house of David, unless Jesus Christ was born into this house, the salvation of his people could never come. And the master builder is still at work to build his house and his temple. Only now the temple isn't a building, it's the church. And the church doesn't mean building, the church is the people. In Ephesians 2 we read that built on the foundation of Christ, we are being built into a holy temple in the Lord. We're built together into a dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit. It's a passive action, isn't it? What God is doing to us. We are getting built together. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell in all who call on the name of Jesus Christ to be saved. The people of God, not this building, is the dwelling place for God. He lives in us and is at work in us collectively, together, as this body of Christ. This local family of believers called Reforming Church 
or if you're watching from Rochester, Rochester Presbyterian Church. The master builder. We see more of who he is in these verses. Three persons in one God. The triune Father, Son and Holy Spirit are building this church into a spiritual family who see their dependence on God in every way, just like little children. The Lord is building us together in love that we'd share in a heritage beyond our own names, something that continues forever because of Jesus' name. We share in an inheritance kept safe with Christ, eternal life, through being adopted into his family, into this household of God. Where then is our place in God's building efforts? Since the Lord is going to build his house and his heritage, what can we ever hope to contribute? Notice that through this psalm, there is still an expectation that God is at work through our work. The Lord doesn't just drop buildings out of the sky or set up impenetrable force fields around his city, around his people, or deliver children to their parents, fully grown, speaking, already loving God and loving them or just sprout all of his chosen people from the dust overnight. God works through a process that he chooses to involve us in. God, the master builder, invites us to join him as he builds. We're given responsibility to work, to labour, to conceive children, to go through the pain of childbirth, to care and love for them and teach them. All the while, utterly helpless, unless God gives his blessing on what we do. But we all have a part to play in this spiritual family. We may not all have children, but now we are all blessed with spiritual sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, Mothers and fathers, aunties and uncles, grandpas and grandmas. The kingdom of God is not flesh and blood, but spirit and truth. And we invite others to join God's family. If that's you, if you're still a stranger to Christ, you're not yet part of the family, then God is welcoming you with open arms. He is offering reconciliation. He holds out the peace offering that we should be giving to him to try and make things right. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ in your place, who died the death you deserved in place of our sin, If you will come to him, confessing your hostility, your apathy towards him, 
If you accept his gift of grace, you are part of his family. Unless God is at work in someone's life to bring about repentance and faith, our efforts are in vain. We rely on God to work while still having confidence that our words, our prayers, as weak as they might feel, are seeds that grow into fruitful faith as God causes them to grow. I confess that too often I rely on my own wisdom or think I've got to know all the answers before I can speak to Jesus, speak uh, about Jesus to friends and family. We all need to rely on God to work and call on him in prayer to build his house. As the master builder invites us to join with him as he builds. Let our pudgy little baby arms and hands be moved, worked as he sees best. As he builds an eternal house, a forever kingdom, an everlasting heritage, drawing more and more people into his family. Are you building in vain, trying to take control of your future, eating the bread of anxious toil? Has that been you? Well, join the master builder in building to last, not a fancy house, not a big name for yourself, not a prosperous family, not an impressive business or career, but a lasting heritage in God's family where your worth isn't in who you are, but in who he says you are. In what you do, rather than who he says you are. A child of the King, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's come to him now in dependence on him in prayer. Father God, we thank you that you are at work in your world. We thank you that what you are building will not be in vain. Your kingdom endures and will last into all eternity. Please forgive us for seeking to strive in our own strength and forgetting you. May we continually run to you in dependence as your treasured children. We ask that you would be at work here at Reforming Church, at Rochester Presbyterian Church to build us together in love into a community, a family, where we will get to see a display of love and grace at work. Please help us to build each other up and to reach those around us who are yet to know Christ, who are strangers to him. As we bring the life changing message of peace that you have given to us in the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. We pray these things in his name for his glory. Amen.